Welcome to Unicorny, the antidote to post-rationalized business books. This podcast helps you find out how senior executives, uh -uh, just like you, are building value through marketing. Each episode gives you an insider's perspective of critical marketing issues. We explore why our guests make the decisions they make, how they build and measure value, and what they see coming down the road. In this episode, we're going to shine a light on what is often considered to be the less sexy end of marketing, the financial sector. Conservative with a small c, heavily regulated and without a tangible product, marketing in this sector is often considered to be mission impossible. But is it? Lion Trust's Chief Marketing Officer, Simon Hildry, joins us today to talk Turkey about mission impossible. Lion Trust is a specialist fund management company that takes pride in having a distinct culture and a distinct approach to running money. The company launched in 1995 and was listed on the London Stock Exchange in 1999. They're an independent business with no corporate parent and their head office is on the Strand. Now, also joining me today on our journey deep into the vaults of the financial sector is an expert co-host in Jeff Watt. Jeff is Managing Director of Green Target, which is the City of London's finest financial service communications consultancy. And Jeff has 25 years experience in the financial sector, so he is the perfect co-host for today's topic. So, Simon, thank you and welcome to the Unicorny Studio. Why don't you start off by introducing us to the marketing team at Lion Trust? So, at the moment, we've got just over 20 people, about 21, 22 people. I've, I've been running the marketing now for about 14 years, but I've, I've kind of evolved it and it's developed and evolved over time, which has partly come out of experimenting with ways of running the team. What we have is really a team of specialists that we've grouped together. Um, we've got six, effectively five or six sub-teams, and they're the specialists in their areas, and then we put that together to deliver what I think is some really quality work. What we don't have is, at the moment, is channel marketeers. So we are set up slightly differently from many other marketing teams in our, in our sector, in the asset management. How industry. involved in the business is the marketing department? I mean, one of the things we try and get under the skin of on this podcast is like a lot of departments are set up to do promotion stuff. Do you do you dig deeper than that? Are you integrated in strategy and you know part of the revenue operations or you know we we see ourselves as a revenue generator and not a cost center. Okay. I know this is, this is something that's often talked about marketing. Yeah, I think obviously we we do cost money. We we have a um, we have a significant budget, but you know we are there to to be part of. The, of the sales effort in effect we're there to definitely obviously help the sales team and every other department but we are our key approach is to be proactive okay. as well okay. with marketing and actually we are very we're at the heart of the business actually you know we we are responsible for communications we are responsible for events yeah. and we are responsible obviously for all the normal marketing activity we're part of the plc communications as well i don't see communications and marketing as being different and I know that yeah. is talked about, you yeah. know, is it communications, is it earned, is it owned? But I see it as all part of one team. And I think I think that's been one of the strengths of Lion Trust is how aligned every, all the different departments are and how much is grouped together. 
within departments, I think is a real strength. The title of this episode, of course, is Mission Impossible, uh, because marketing and communicating in very highly regulated markets is tough. Um, and uh, particularly if the product isn't tangible. Um, so let's, let's kick off by trying to bust some myths, I think. What, what are some of the myths surrounding marketing in a regulated space? Like what can and can't you do? Uh, how do you check what you're doing is compliant and that kind of stuff? Some of it is you've, you should do the right thing anyway. And I think, um, you know, the way that you talk about product, the way you talk about investment, the way you promote it should be in the right way anyway. It should be simple to understand. It should be understandable, accessible, and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be promoting things that aren't true. I mean, you know, that's obvious. And I think regulation is the right thing and we, we're very aware of what what, of what how you how you comply. We've got a very good compliance department that we work very closely with, but as marketers we should be aware of that anyway. And there shouldn't be an issue that then compliance picks up. That means we're not succeeding. I actually think being a former journalist helps. I think I was very aware of that as a journalist and I think that is actually good good training, good good background and we we are very close to the compliance department i think you know things like social media there are certain restrictions on some in the way that we can promote on social media but it doesn't it i don't feel it stops us achieving what we want to do presumably channels digital channels social media channels will allow you to communicate more directly with customers anyway so does that potentially limit uh the chance of falling foul of things because you can make things much more personalized is there is there an element of truth in that it can actually be a positive as well. Yeah. One issue you've got is if you promote on LinkedIn, that is primarily for a business audience, but it's actually open to anyone. Therefore, you have to promote it in a way that's acceptable for retail private investors. But if you target people through social media, there is a possibility that you can target only professionals and you yes. know they're only professionals. Therefore, yeah. it gives you scope actually to tailor that, that promotion to the different audiences. The one caveat i would say is obviously which we will get onto is international marketing yes you're dealing with different audiences some funds can be promoted to countries and not others so you do that that's one thing where you have to think more about promotion and marketing and you know it deals with websites as well you have to make certain funds accessible to certain countries and not other countries and that's where it gets more complicated and of course foreign languages you have to translate much more so we're getting into that world it's interesting you've got different audiences and you've got professional advisors things you can say to them you can't say direct to retail investors i know you're using the distribu distribu the professional advisor distribution channel but there's there are d different things you can say to them one I, group that you can't say to others or do you see that differently as well i see that more as a a positive actually for marketing yeah. because we want to give different messages right. in the sense of you for a professional audience you might want to give a more in-depth technical yes access to more in-depth technical i think our biggest job is to give people choice of the type of information the format we give it and the level of technical detail and it's really for the individual to choose what and we've we make that accessible we don't know it shouldn't be our job to say you you should read this you shouldn't read that and i think within the regulatory framework we should give that choice and that's a key that's a key for us going forward lion trust super successful now but when we did our research call you mentioned that hadn't always been the case that you, there'd been a bit of a blip along the way can you can you talk to me a little bit about that? What happened? How did you overcome the problems? How did you make sure marketing was kind of at the heart of rebuilding the company? Well, it was um, 
it was actually just just bef- just after I first joined, and it's a very different company in in some ways. In some ways, we've we've kept a lot of the culture over the years, and um, so we had a couple of departures of our managers, um, and really we've rebuilt from then, from from really effectively from two thousand ten, um, when when John Irons um, was chief executive. The the marketing has changed substantially over that time okay. and we've become we've we've we created a brand over that period of time a really distinctive brand and we've really we've really developed the marketing at the firm and in the you know but the whole industry's changed in many ways yeah. in marketing and i think john's had a clear vision from day one had a clear strategy and marketing has been driving helping to drive and achieve that strategy and john's mission has been to build really good quality investment capability really strong distribution sales and marketing and having the business infrastructure to support that and make that possible and we've had a real focus on sales and marketing over that time okay and i think i think we're going to dig in a little bit later to some of the branding work that you've done and some of the things you've done that are atypical for you know financial services sector when you're talking about you know we've done that we've built a brand what kind of channels what kind of channels have you used to help build the brand I think the starting point is 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 what what you stand for and what you're trying to achieve and how you want that brand positioning. The brand really is a very accessible, friendly brand and one that can be trusted. And we've tried to communicate and um, engage different audiences. Um, one of the things we've really focused on is uh, marketing to the consumer market. Now, this isn't... This has always been around supporting the intermediary market and the fact that all professionals are consumers as well. And you can reach them in that way as well as the usual professional route, okay. both through sales and marketing. And we've really wanted to support the intermediary market with their clients and to try to communicate in a much clearer way. You're talking to both an intermediary audience and you're talking to the consumers, the ultimate buyer of your product. So that's it's an interesting challenge for you that you are, as I say, talking to two different audiences, but mm. being with very personalized messages. Mm. And so when you're thinking about your marketing, you're thinking about the end user as well as the intermediary and treating them slightly differently, but being aware that one is clearly influencing the other. Yeah, absolutely. And we we, we deliver communication to intermediaries to use with their clients yeah. as well. So you help them. Um, so You're we're helping, helping them, them in yeah. terms of informing and educating there. I mean, I come back to this a lot. It's it's not dissimilar to journalism at all. Mm. And I think one of the things I, I perhaps was surprised about early on was how similar marketing is to journalism. You know, you need to understand the market. You need to understand the audience. You need to understand what what you're what you're promoting and be able to communicate and communicate in different ways. And it's like you write differently for different publications. Absolutely, and it's a very similar thing. So yeah. I found it quite easy as a concept early on yeah. to grasp that and to try and deliver. And then it's about having the, the right quality people to deliver that. One of the interesting challenges I've always thought with asset management businesses is the, perhaps the competitive tension between the brand building of the company as well as building the brands of the individuals who are managing money. How does, how does that balance work in an organisation like yours? Or generally, how, how do you promote one and the other to keep that balance aligned as such well part of our brand is that we each team has their own distinct approach to running money right to invest in 
in their thumbs. So that is actually part of our brand. Right. That you we're we're presenting clients with what we think is high high quality investment capability. Yeah. And it's for them to choose which approach they like. And therefore I think it's and the brand is the framework of that. And part of that is right. that investment choice. Each team has very strong processes, investment processes, mm-hmm. and that's part of what we're delivering. You know, the company, the investment managers, it all goes together as one brand. Yeah, it should be. You know, there it should, should be, be different I agree. brands. Yeah, um, and I think you know the, the the teams, the funds, they create their own brand in a sense of awareness, but it sits within the corporate, the yeah. corporate brand and the corporate identity, absolutely, and the and the, the approach that we take. Are we talking here about the kind of the superstar fund manager, this, the very high profile? They all seem to crash somehow. Well, <laughs> if, been some very high absolutely. profile cases recently of like very well known fund managers Indeed. who've gone wonky. Yeah, and, and of course, the, the performance of an individual will have a, an impact on the, the perception of a brand. So it is that balance, I think, is an interesting one to try and strike. And maybe an organization like uh, Simon's has to face that more than lots of other financial institutions where you really do have high profile individuals who are associated with uh, with investment and with investment performance and if it does crash or if they leave how does that impact on the, on the brand what happens to investors who may walk away as a result and there's two things to say to that one is our belief in process without getting yeah. too into investment that focus on process is really important and therefore the fund the fund managers stick to that process and the clients understand how they manage money so they understand Part of our job is to communicate this when when they're likely to perform, when they may not perform, and so that's really important. So they, when they're putting their portfolios together, they can understand that, and that's a really key part of the brand. The other thing is each of the teams are teams, and they've built those teams over time, so it's not just one individual. So, so when we start talking about about you know the the, the process, we're actually talking about the PE product, of course. Hmm. How involved is your team in in kind of the other marketing P's at Lion Trust? Is there a, I suppose, pricing is completely irrelevant um, in this context, but do you get involved in channel at all, other than communication? I mean, it's very joined up at Lion Trust in terms of the different departments working together. So it's very collegiate, and I think we all we all input into that, and then we all implement it together. So I think in that sense, yes, we, we are all part of that discussion. We will feed into that. And certain departments will will have more input than others on certain issues. But we're all part of that discussion and we're all part of that decision-making process, yes. I think, Brand, in uh, your line of work, Simon, of course, is when you have what might be considered maybe incorrectly an, an homogenous product, Brand it's really important to fight, provide some point of differentiation. There are lots of elements to that. We've touched on maybe individual fund managers and processes, but um, but that brand piece is really when it's it, as maybe we've said, it feels a bit um, homogenous and obscure. How, how that that brand piece is so important in terms of selling and then building loyalty and customers staying with you. Yeah, and picking up on a point that that was mentioned earlier, the intangible product. Yeah. As we know, you know, if you if you make watches you make cars you've got the product can can help sell and help help the brand trying to stand out with when you're running investment management and it's difficult key thing about brand is it's not just about imagery i think a lot of people think of brand as always you know it's what imagery you use it's the design it's it's everything you do including the work and 
as a former journalist, obviously, I really care about the words yeah. and the tone. And that, and we really are very careful about the wording we use and the tone. And the messaging is really part of the brand. And then it's everybody at Lion Trust is part of the brand. And it's very, it is a challenge to stand out. Absolutely. I think we've obviously gone down the distance. I think there's, you know, there's, there's other brands that have done successfully distinguished and then there's lots of brands that I think probably don't stand out. Yeah. And the research show that's not just my my view. That's Absolutely. through the research. And I think so we've really and I think it's the consistency. I think the other thing I would say is the consistency. You know, we've as John's had a vision, we've had a vision for marketing and we've tried to be we've evolved over time. We've never done a rebrand. I'm I'm not keen on rebrands. I think you evolve a brand and it actually can look quite different, but people don't notice it and you evolve it and you take you take your clients, you take the staff with you along that journey. And I think it's that consistency is really important of what you stand for. You, you sound like you're in a very fortunate position where you have a, a supportive um, boss, founder, who believes in the whole marketing process, the importance of building the brand and investing it over in, in it over yeah. time, which is yeah. must be a, a good place to be in that regard because that's not the case in in every situation at all. No, I've did, we, we are very supported by, by um, the CEO, CFO, the board, and yeah. other people at Lion Trust. Yeah, and it's it's um, it's very in, in kind of DNA of of Lion Trust as well. And you do you do see that elsewhere where that hasn't been the case. And there's there's some asset managers who don't effectively have a marketing department at all. No, and with consumer brands, marketing's absolutely key yeah. to their success. And and we are we are we do you know I've always I've always looked at consumer brands. I think you know some people will if you if you're trying to look at how things are done you a lot of people will look at other asset managers but I've always said we should look outside of that as well there's things to learn from other asset managers of course but if you're a marketer you should be looking at all sorts of different companies yep. and approaches um and you know we, we look at other things as well we look at other you know sport music I think you can take you can take inspiration and ideas and thoughts and apply it to yourself from all sorts of places well and you've, of course you've been involved directly in sport as a sponsor talk talk me through your experience with oxford well we've um i mean oxford was one and i will yeah. talk about oxford um which and we've had other sponsorships as well okay but i think oxford it, and we 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 try to take the same approach you know the from each of these asset managers have been involved in football but it's not something that asset managers naturally have ne- navigated to. The opportunity came up probably earlier than I, it's always, it was a thought in our minds, but the opportunity for Oxford came along and it was a massively successful three year sponsorship for us, actually. Um, they got to Wembley twice, they got promoted, so that helps. But I remember I, when, I, when I pitched it to the board, I said, we need one good FA Cup run. And and okay. this will be this will be a fantastic sponsorship. The first season, um, they they beat Swansea, who were then in the Premier League in the FA Cup, and they were on BBC News and ITV News that evening, um, and and the back of every single national newspaper, pretty much. And but it went far beyond that. I think the even though Oxford were in in. Modern day currency League Two, uh, the fourth division, and and then got promoted to to the third level. The awareness is was incredible. Actually, you get huge and but we worked really really hard with Oxford. Oxford were great because they would work with us. 
and they were very flexible and we came we worked together on ideas and we really engaged with the fan base okay and we did a lot of content a key focus was content and that goes through a lot of what we do and we wanted exclusive content which they gave us and we worked with them on and i think we showed that we re we didn't pretend to be oxford fans because yeah. we weren't and we didn't try we and we were very open um about who we did support who do we do support <laughs> and um and we really engaged with the fans and okay. i think because football fans i think we have a good we understand what football fans want and we were and it was a great and we we focused on the community we yeah. worked with oxford on the community and it's where we started developing some of our ideas for community engagement and that's a really key part of any sponsorship as well Okay, well, I want to come back to community engagement in a minute. I'm just keen to ask, how did you choose Oxford? Why Oxford United? The we were introduced to Oxford um, okay. by by somebody by somebody we knew. Okay, and they were looking for a sponsor, and we had the conversation. It moved pretty quickly. I went, I so I went to watch Oxford. We had we had some conversations, and I think one of one one thing we do have successfully done over the years is move quite quickly. You know, if we want to do something, we can we can make it happen okay. pretty quickly. And so the time was short, and we said, right. "Okay, we would do it." And well, I was keen for a three year deal because I knew it would take a year to really understand it, try things, and not a short term. I didn't want a short term deal, so yeah. we did three years, and that was really successful. I think it's fascinating that a, a brand which you would associate with being well, it's international. You're looking for particularly as will be. Yeah looking for global audiences and talking to people globally but actually at that level football is very much as you said grounded in the community mm. that on the uh, on the face of you think that how does that work how is uh, a local community brand going to support the aspirations of an international fund management group but it clearly worked and it's I, a very i think it's a fascinating I love it i think it's a great story really interesting it's fantastic and oxford's also a global city of course i mean oxford of course i mean on that level and 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 the long term benefits of this, you won the shirt, and it's amazing how often, often that shirt appears on social media. Yeah, it's obviously you know you have you have I better not mention any names, but you have football computer games, you know, and if you're on that shirt, you have a global audience. Yeah, and so, you know that that content, you know, if you're producing content and it's it's original content and people want to watch it, that's a great source for digital and for social, and then you can measure it. Yeah. as well and you can get that engagement and it's that level and that's what digital does it's that level of engagement yeah. you can achieve um and we really tried to support oxford and the fans we did various initiatives for example um they were playing away at carlisle and um the budget travel budget was short it was the end of the season they needed to win to go up so we said okay we would give extra and we supported that them traveling by train we got some content and it's things like that it's work you've really got to yeah. i think I, I've never, I've always wanted to really work with any partners that we work with, and I see it as a partnership. Everything we do, whether it's um, agencies or anything, they're partners, and we're working yeah. together. And we really wanted to work with Oxford for the mutual benefit. And I think we didn't, I've never wanted just to put a logo on something yeah. and then go, well, job done. Yeah. You know, you have to work together. You That's to get, what you, you have, have to, to get value there. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you have to work at it and you have to invest more than just the pure sponsorship amount. Yeah. But the rewards, the potential rewards are fantastic for both. It's obviously a lasting, you know, that, that three year sponsorship, although the deal is over, it, it has a lasting impact. As you say, it has, it has a long tail because of the games and the, the content and the footage. Yeah. 
Yeah, and 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 it carries with you um, because you know the vision is still the same. We've done other sports. We've done, and we've really taken that community in terms of education, particularly and as well as uh, animal conservation. So it's really been financial education, numeracy, opportunities for young people, and animal conversation okay. conservation that we've really looked at. It's slightly as an aside, but I was going to say you can see with the power of football and and what it can do. If you look at the case study of Wrexham, what's happened more recently, yeah. it's a different type of it's an ownership mm-hmm. deal. But look how that yeah. brand has gone global and the power it's yeah. it, it has with well, pe- people engage with sport, yeah. and I think they do. I think what we've tried to you know marketing and brand should be about emotion it should be about real engagement it should be and f- and sport is uh, you know people love sport and I think you can engage at that on an emotional people. level yeah. and then when they come to the investments they go oh okay I know Lion Trust I trust Lion Trust I like yeah. it's that association and that trust and, and emotion that you really yeah. that I think that's that's our job on whatever part of marketing we do that's what we're trying to achieve and I think exactly football is so powerful other sports are powerful but football is particularly you know it's the global most popular sport in the world yeah. and I think we've seen Again, ev- evidence of that with, and also, you know, we we started marketing, we started advertising um, before Oxford in the sports pages of national newspapers, and we had a couple of ventures with with a national okay. newspaper, where we did um, some activity around the World Cup, European Championships, and you really realise how much, coming back to the point about consumers and professionals, how you really get awareness build up with professionals yeah. as well because they read the sports page. They're straight to the back pages, aren't they? When yeah. you go on the back you, page. Your, your natural assumption would be, oh, I've got to be in yeah. the business pages, I've got to be in the trade press, the yeah. financial pages yeah. for it to be effective. But in fact, you're saying yeah. completely... Yeah, and uh, I think a couple of follow-up points. When we when we, when Oxford beat Swansea and we were on the national news, it, it's the reinforcement. It's not just about reaching new people. The number of people that knew Lion Trust and then saw it and went, oh, they contact, oh, we saw that you were sponsoring Oxford. It's that reinforcement as well. And it's only by trying these things that you you learn more by doing them and what works and what doesn't work. And that reinforcement was was really strong. And we've combined things most recently. So our latest sponsorship, we're we're sponsoring an emerging talent centre for girls and women footballers uh, with Blackpool Community Trust. Um, which is obviously under the own, which works with Blackpool Football Club. And we we really wanted to find something that would give girls and women the opportunity to develop and a pathway. The idea is it's a pathway yeah. towards ultimately the Lionesses. And rather than sponsor a team, we felt that development. And it's so that sort of we're kind of combining football, we're combining sport, we're combining giving opportunities to people and Blackpool felt a really good area for us to support as well and right. it gives girls and women that opportunity and so we've kind of developed it's kind of developed over That's time really from, cool. so Oxford was we started with ZSL London Zoo as the first sponsorship which we still which still partners with but I think the Oxford thing was fantastic because it's given us the start to where where we've got to today in terms yeah. of developing those ideas I love right. the fact you're working for an organisation that's prepared to try things yeah. Have you brought that yeah. idea to in, to in lots of other situations? Yeah. No. 
How does that work for us? But they yeah. were prepared to give it yeah. a go. But I think, that, and that's part of the brand, yeah. the largest brand, that we yeah. we try things and we, yeah. we try different things. You know, I, I think it makes our job more interesting. Of course. And it's it's more engaging for people that we are doing different things. Yeah. Uh, rather than just doing what everybody else does. And do, do you think some of this is driven? You mentioned, you know, we mentioned a number of times that your route into marketing it wasn't a traditional one. You were a journalist to start with, so you've got a real nose for a story and you know what's going to resonate. And the things you're talking about now, whether it be creating a pathway to the Lionesses, whether it be you know, the, the, where you started in Oxford, there's, there's, especially with someone like Oxford, and there's a romance in that story that's just going to stick with people. Mm. Do, you think, do you think your journalistic background may be what leads you in that direction? I think journalism definitely contributes a lot. Um, I think it's also, it's, it's the communication. So content has always been in the heart. You know, people talk a lot about content and content has always really been in the heart of what we try to do. And what we're trying to do is find different channels to then, if content is the engine, yeah. then everything else is almost distribution and different routes to market and different routes to, to clients. I think definitely journalism has helped massively with that and thinking about the marketplace. I think a desire to be different. I think because I joined, I mean, going back to that, you asked about Lion Trust and how we've developed. I think we were, because we had to come out of that experience and we had to grow and almost in effect from a, from a point of view where proactive marketing in, in what we're talking about today wasn't really in place. You know, they did marketing and they did very successfully communications in terms of the processes at that time. But we've developed everything else around yeah. from that. I think we've, we had to be noticed and we couldn't be noticed if we just tried to copy everyone else. And I think it's in John's personality, it's in mine, it's in other people at Lion Trust. So it's really part of that DNA of the business that we like to be tried different things to stand out. And I think we had to, and therefore we've taken it on from there. I think the other thing of my background that people have pointed out to me, so it's not me necessarily just thinking about this, but I actually did my my master's was in was in uh, war studies international relations okay. and i think a big part of that is strategy and i think by doing that degree i really i think i learned an, a, a, I mean, it's a fantastic degree to do and i think i really learned a lot about strategy and i think some of these things i don't really think about until somebody points them out but for me strategy i think that's fed into it as well. Working out what okay, what the vision is and how we're going to achieve that. And I think that that masters gave me a lot for that. Wow. So you have a long term vision for what you're trying to achieve, but within that there's flexibility and adaptability to try things, yeah. but with a with an eye on a longer term where you're going to get to in Ab in five years' time. Absolutely. And when 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 John John Irons became my, my boss, one of the first things he said to me was, I want you to try things. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, then you change it. Understand that it's not working, why it doesn't work and change it. But don't, inaction, you know, inaction can sometimes be the right answer, but understand why inaction. But actually try things and, and but then learn. Don't just do it and leave it. Yeah. Understand what's happening and what's right. working. John obviously has a good understanding of the marketing process and the importance of it and how it works. And how important is his personal brand to the Lion Trust brand? Does he, does he like to build his own personality and his own profile, or does it? It's all about line trust. Where, where does that balance? John is is 
actually he's he's not he's not about his personal brand actually right. he's about the largest brand yeah and i think the same for the investment capability yeah. you know this is large trust we give a home to people we get quality people in and you allow them he's very much about allowing you yeah he gives us ownership for what we do and for and if we deliver then John is fantastically supportive. Yep. And John does believe in it. And he's very much, yeah, he's not about personal profile, pushing right. his personal profile above the firms. Refreshing. Yeah, sure. he's, he's, he's great to work with. Good. Wow. I, I love, absolutely love that what we've just been talking about. The, um, the, the way you think about telling Lion Trust story and building the brand, I think is extraordinary. And I'm looking forward to doing the, the wash-up notes to the show when we when we get to record that. Um, before we go on, time's marching on though, and before we nip into our final section, you know we're we're in a really turbulent world at the moment. There's war, interest rates, inflation, cost of living crises, that kind of stuff. H- have you seen? And it maybe the answer is just a straight no, of course. But have you seen the approach to how you tell the lion story change because of external factors, or is there is what you're doing consistent and actually so community focused that, I don't know, how are you reacting to what's been going on over the last 12 months? In terms of things like the economic and political environment, that's reflected in our investment insights, really, what the teams talk about, what the sales team. So in the sense of the investment communications that we put out, yes, definitely. In terms of, obviously, we're cognizant of of the environment that we're in. And I think we focused even more on education um, because it's the right thing to do. We're trying to help investors. And I think things like the cost of living crisis and the environment probably make that even more important. Leveling up, for example, is one thing that we also been working with an organization on. Uh, the Blackpool thing is not directly related to that, but it's part of that process. And we're, we're doing a project on financial education, ensuring that numeracy is is part of that kind of levelling up. So I think we, we definitely take, you know, we're definitely aware of it. It's particularly through the investment side that we reflect that. And obviously our job is to keep investors, clients informed and try and help them in terms of understanding what's going on. So in that sense, it, it comes primarily from the investment side, but that feeds through through sales and marketing and everything else, communications. So yes, it, it does feed through. The cost of investing, I suppose, is, is a, is a, is a move towards more passive investing. Mm. So pricing in a, uh, and demonstrating yeah. value that can be added by active fund management yeah. is, a, is a, I imagine, a big challenge, and that must play into what you're doing as well. And, and yeah, I was going to say value for money. Yeah. You know, we talk, uh, yes, definitely, of course, cost is yeah. an issue. And the industry has talked about a, a, a huge amount. But we really, we, what we're trying to demonstrate is that value. Yeah. And, you know, this the, the FCA, obviously, we do, we've done value assessments now for three years or so. But it's really important that we could demonstrate the value of active Absolutely, investment. Yeah. And that's, that's obviously key to a key part of what, we're trying, of what we, we offer active management and yeah. we believe in it. So there's an opportunity for you, for, for you there, again, in, in how you yeah. market yourself. And our job is to do that well. Yeah. They communicate that well. Yeah. And and also the value is around service and communication. And, you know, it's not just around the investment management. Of course. There's other, you know, that service is really key. And, and service is what we could control. Yeah. We could control. We can't always control investment performance all the time. Yeah. But we could control process. Yeah. And we could control service. Yeah. And those are the things that we really try and focus on 
for sure. clients. Cool. Thinking ahead now for the next 12 months, anyone that wants to can answer here. What, what worries you economically? I mean, it, it, it seems to me, I must say, I think we're bottoming out this kind of the shallow downturn that we've seen. I'm seeing so many green shoots around at the moment. I'm very hopeful for the second half of this year. Obviously, your economists will be publishing their own thoughts, but what, what are you guys thinking about the rest of 23? Are you, are you more bearish than me? There was an interesting exchange in Prime Minister's Questions, which I did watch this week, where Keir Starmer pointed out that 800,000 people have come off mortgage deals since the budget last September. So that's a lot of people who have been impacted hugely by mortgage costs. And there's another 900,000 to come off for between now and the end of the year. So that's a lot of people just in relation to mortgages who are being hit hard, as there's lots of other things that are hitting them hard. So uh, it worries me a bit that there is still there's a lot more to play out in relation to this cost of living crisis. And of course, that would play into to all of us here, but it will play into what you're doing, Simon, and your business and your end and investors. It's not helpful knowing there are 799,999 mm. other people who've just been shafted away. <laughs> not reassuring you. Yeah. No. I'm not going to make any predictions. Okay. Um, okay. I think, uh, you know, and our, jo- our job is to, ex- you know, we've seen predictions and yeah. they don't come true. Yeah, yeah. And I think our job, without being corporate, our job is to really help people. And I think that's cool to yeah. navigate this because things change, all, as we've seen, predictions are made, they're not fulfilled, Things, different things happen, as we've seen. We don't know what's really what's going to happen to the economy. We can have educated guesses. But I think our job is to really help people, and that's the core of what we do, is to help people navigate that. Yeah. Whatever's going to happen, we can then try and assist that, that process. And that's... That's really key and adapt to it, uh, to those circumstances. And I think we have to be nimble enough and flexible enough to to achieve that. Flexibility in a framework. Yeah. Broadly. Yeah. And I think that the the better you are structured and organised, the more flexible you can be. Wow. God, I'm lost for words. What a show that was. I'm sure you agree with me that that was a masterclass in overcoming Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise himself would be proud of us, I'm sure. Thank you so much to both Simon and Jeff for joining me in the studio. Now, there's so much to unpack today that I think I'm probably going to have to leave most of it in the show notes, which you can find at unicorny.co.uk. But it would be careless of me to cut today's show short without giving you at least some of the key points. Okay, so my first key takeaway today is that in complex markets, specifically in regulated markets like asset management, having a strong, distinct brand identity is crucial for success. Because although they're probably not, to many of your audiences, your product might appear to be homogenous. Now, by building brand recognition and focusing on differentiation, you're not only helping to attract new clients, but you're also helping to foster much longer lasting relationships. Now, to achieve this, Simon advises you to focus on developing a cohesive and consistent brand image that communicates your company's unique value proposition. Now, at Lion Trust, marketing, as we heard, played a vital role in driving both the company's vision and its strategy. And in so doing, they crafted a unique 
and distinctive brand. And I think that their experience demonstrates that investing in branding can pave the way to success, but not only in their sector, but also in any regulated, heavily legislated or intermediated markets. The key to overcoming complexity? Good branding. Next up, while we spoke a lot about brand, Simon made it clear that it's not just about brand, it's also, of course, about strategy. Now, strategy plays a pivotal role in shaping uh, the company's brand identity, guiding marketing efforts, and of course, you know, uh, both articulating and then, and then reaching the desired business objectives. Uh, and that's all part of a brand, obviously. So a carefully crafted long-term strategic plan should include brand and enable your organization to build a clear vision, but also provide a roadmap and tools both to help articulate and define the brand, but also to accomplish brand building goals. In his case, Simon Hildy's background in international relations taught him the importance of combining strategic thinking and adaptability while you're writing that framework. And on today's show, he discussed how Lion Trust follows a long-term vision while maintaining flexibility in their approach, which is essential if market dynamics change. So leveraging strategy and adaptability allows you to create a strong, distinguishable brand even amidst the complexities of a regulated or very heavily legislated market. I'm also enormously grateful to Simon for busting some myths today because marketing in a heavily regulated industry can often be perceived as almost like too challenging, too restrictive because of the need to follow strict governance guidelines and of course adhere to the complicated requirements of compliance. But murdering that myth, Simon illustrated that it's perfectly possible to create effective marketing strategies that align with regulations while still promoting actual products and services. Approaching compliance from a positive standpoint helps ensure that marketing messages are honest, clear and easily understandable, and that benefits your publics. Simon shone a light on the role of digital and social media channels in particular in regulated markets. These channels offer an opportunity for much more personalized marketing, which actually can help you meet some of your regulatory compliance. Moreover, he emphasized that marketing to various audience segments is advantageous because it provides options for information type, format, and the kind of technical depth that investors receive. Now, I can't sign off today without also mentioning how inspiring Simon's story about Oxford United and now Lion Trust grassroots football sponsorship is. Those sponsorships are the embodiment of the Lion Trust brand to me. So remember, however hard or complex the environment you trade in, your brand isn't what you say, it's what you do. Thank you for listening to today's show. You can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite channel and we're listed on Spreaker.com, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Podchaser, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Amazon, Google and all other good platforms. Now we'd love it if you'd rate, review or refer us because ratings and reviews and things like referrals, well, those are how shows like this one grow. So please, if you have the time, take a little time right now to support the Unicorny project. Now, if you're interested in joining our community, you can register at unicorny.co.uk and you can also find us on LinkedIn. 
you can go to our website unicorny.co.uk you can ask questions there you can leave comments there you can even leave us a voicemail and if you want to add to today's debate do it there we may even put you on air that is all for now thank you very much and catch you next time this episode is sponsored by selby anderson the agency group that helps businesses operating in complex markets win the future. Selby Anderson's agencies serve global clients in financial services, enterprise tech, channel, industry, utilities, pharmaceutical and biotech. If you want to win the future, find out more at selbyanderson.com.